Hi, I'm George Tekmachev, back with another Eastern Target Archery podcast. And our special guest today, Tom Dillon, Secretary General of World Archery. Tom, good afternoon in Lausanne. Good afternoon, George. Uh, it's a pleasure being with you again. We have a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on in the world of archery. The, the world of archery is coming to Lausanne this week. We'll be getting into that. And uh, we have some exciting news that took place last week. And of course, we're just as we speak today, about 70 days away from the start of the Olympic Games. And the first event in the Olympic Games, of course, is going to be our event. So there's a, there's a, a lot to go over. And uh, I'd like to start with talking about the exciting news about the Yankton Hub, uh, a concept that uh, it's a great name because it's really what Yankton is going to become toward the end of the season, isn't it, Tom? Yes, no, uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, we, we think uh, I, it was clear a decision uh, with the current environment to reduce risks and, and to have less travel because, uh, let's face it, uh, traveling at the moment is not easy. And uh, therefore, it made sense to do this. Uh, also, uh, from a cost perspective, of course, it makes sense. But uh, the first uh, feedback we had from athletes, they were very happy with it because... Uh, they see the reasons for it and, and they support us fully on, on the matter. Uh, of course, it's, it's, it's good news for American athletes in particular because that means they have some host places as well. Yes, for sure. But, you know, at the same time, it's also good news, I think, for every athlete in that they're not going to have to go to three or, or two separate events um, with the Hyundai World Archery Championship uh, and the Hyundai Archery World Cup Final both taking place in Yankton. It's going to save people a lot of trouble from the standpoint of, uh, you know, entry and exit and flights and transport, all the things that traditionally happen around those times. Um, so a very convenient thing. And um, as you pointed out, cost saving as well, because you'll not just have the world championships there, you'll have the World Cup final there, but also the WA Congress. Absolutely. And, and we are very happy. We, we, I just saw the news today that uh, one of our big friends in, in Yankton, Stephanie Moser, has become mayor of Yankton. So uh, we know the mayor very well as well. That's always always a useful thing. And uh, Yankton's a big archery support town. So uh, I think that, you know, it's going to be a good experience. Um, as, as we get into the next topic, um, let's let's talk about World Cup a little bit. I personally think Guatemala was a very big success from the standpoint of the turnout. The events seemed to go quite smoothly. Um, yeah, maybe we didn't have some of the, uh, as often as the case, some of the top qualifiers did not end up as people on the you know top step of the podium. But I thought it looked like a pretty good event. Absolutely. And, and okay, the, the best barometer for that was the, the feedback we got from the athletes. Uh, we, we just um, put on uh, our YouTube channel the, 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 the monthly uh, archery uh, news and uh, you will see that uh, the, the feedback from the athletes was very positive uh, and that, that includes the one that won, but it also includes the one that didn't win. And uh, I think, the, it, the, as you say, it, it went... Uh, um, better for most people than anticipated. Uh, they had a good time. Uh, it's clear that the, 
the situation uh, is also that people were missing so for such a long time a, a major competition that uh, there was that that eagerness that that appetite for competition that also helped to to have the the, the right attitude to 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 an event and uh, probably we got away with more than we would have gotten away with uh, if if it was not uh, uh, the first event after a long uh, period without competition. Oh yeah, I, you know I'm thinking back to the discussions we had in times like January, Tom, when we were anticipating this time now and maybe speculating that that is how things would go. And I think we turned out to have prognosticated that reasonably well. People really did respond in a positive way in spite of, you know, little, little things along the way, like maybe some folks um, having to go through extra testing and whatever inconveniences go well, with some of those things. Knowing the amount of testing everyone will have to go through in Tokyo, I would say the number of testing we have experienced so far is very little. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point, and maybe um, before we talk about Lausanne, well, let's 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 stay on track. I'll, I'll talk about Lausanne before we talk about Tokyo. But uh, the next event, of course, is coming up very soon, and that is uh, in where you are right now in Lausanne. And it's not the first time Lausanne has staged an element of the World Cup. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time you've had a full World Cup in Lausanne, or or, or it's not? The first time it is absolutely the first time we do a stage. So I would say the the best equivalent we've had in terms of hosting an event of that size would have been the World Championships in '89. So uh, it's uh, it's definitely a challenge. And okay, uh, the, the other challenge is of course is we have basically five weeks to put it together in a COVID environment. We are very happy that we got the full support from the city, the cantonal and the federal authorities. Actually, we had today, so uh, a few days before the start of the event, the official confirmation that we can have the event. Uh, we were expecting it, but today we got the official confirmation. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting, but it's also, I, and, and we want to be very clear to the people that, that will be coming and will be participating. We are doing what we can. There are certain things we cannot do, that we would normally uh, do in a normal environment, but uh, there is limited. For instance, it's not going to be any spectators. We have to be very strict on number of officials. Uh, we have to be very strict on, on, on the testing uh, arrangements and so on. So it's, it's going to be, uh, 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 I think, a good event, uh, different from others, and, uh, and really, I would say, a, a good pre preparation from a, a mental and educational point of view for, for Tokyo. That's where I was headed next is if you're going to have all the extra restrictions, the athlete bubble situation, the restriction on the number of spectators or, you know, lack of spectators and the restriction on the number of officials that can come over, it really does echo what we may experience for the Tokyo Olympic Games. Yes, absolutely. I, um, at the moment, there is still no decision on what will happen in terms of spectators. The anticipation is a reduced capacity rather than no capacity, but that can change so depending really on what happens with the numbers in the coming weeks. The decision will be made end of June and we will see. But I think that um, uh, it, 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 is, it is going to be, uh, I would say, adapting. The, the, the whole situation for more than a year has been flexibility. And, and also we, we face it ourselves here. There is flexibility required. There is changes. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, until two days ago, we were going to ask a certain type of test from our, all of our volunteers. 
Now there will be a system of auto testing in place, uh, but with supervision of, of, of some staff. Uh, we will have random tests during the week. Uh, every day we will test 100 people from volunteers to staff, to athletes, to officials. Uh, so it's going to be uh, an interesting week. And, and we, again, we will learn a lot in anticipation of Paris and then uh, Tokyo afterwards. It's also going to be the biggest event at the, uh, I, I presume the World Archery Center will be part of this event. Is that right? The, the center will be hosting the, the finals and the, the elimination and qualification is just next to the center. The center will be the, the I would say, the main operation center, the, all of the administration, the lunch, uh, the testing, uh, all of that will take place at the center. So the center is, is really the, the, the key point and the key area of the event. Uh, and then the finals will be on the outdoor field, the sports auto field, next to the center uh, and uh, we will actually we we were <laughs> very lucky to finish we have uh, installed uh, during the the winter break uh, an an indoor outdoor uh, facility so that's the typical uh, facility where you shoot through the windows uh, to an outdoor target which uh, expands the, the the capacity of the center of shooting 70 meters in winter and um this is very useful because this will be our technical operations part for the finals and it, it gives a, a better background and so on. So the, the timing couldn't have been better. A little bit like a uh, uh, operations center slash DOS stand kind of thing. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was uh, I was talking to JC about it uh, when when he had put up some photos because he and Chris and Luca had shot their Vegas virtual score using that facility sort of to christen it. Yeah. And uh, critically, uh, I think the plan was to have an espresso machine in there. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll see if it will be that one or another one. We'll see. Might be something else. <laughs> well, in all seriousness, 35 countries uh, are currently signed up for Lausanne. And the athlete turnouts, while you know not at the level of a normal World Cup, are still quite high, 322. I, actually, I'll take the, that back. That is right up there. With uh, with some World Cup stages we've seen in the past, three hundred twenty-two total. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Um, we are uh, still uh, making sure we have two countries where we still, I would say, are waiting for confirmation to have their visa to come. But it it seems to be heading the right way. We had contacts with the embassies uh, today, and it should be resolved by tomorrow. But it's it's it is a, a remarkable turnout, knowing the the complexity of traveling at the moment. Uh, and um, the challenges in place, uh, we've had to make, uh, I don't know how many additional letters to guarantee that people were not going to end up in a two-week quarantine rather than shooting on the field of play. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it is challenging and we are very happy with the turnout. We will have uh, basically uh, four continents uh, participating. Uh, unfortunately, no one coming from Oceania, but uh, we will have Africans, we will have Asians, we will have uh, Americans, and we will have Europeans. Yeah, yeah, looking at the uh, looking at the country list, which is available at the ENSEO results list uh, on online right now. You can, uh, anyone listening can go ahead to ENSEO.net and you can click right there on the Lausanne World Cup and all of the information regarding who is going to be there and uh, who they'll be representing is already online and ready to be looked at. 
before we uh, can talk about Tokyo, we have to talk about one more thing, and that's Paris, because that is the last, and, and for some countries, really critical, last World Cup event before the Olympic Games. Uh, but just before that, of course, is the final qualifying tournament in Paris, um, which is, you know, a separate element this time. And uh, that is, a, you know, such a big deal for so many countries, including the United States of America or any other country that, that did not manage to capture a full team allotment for Tokyo. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is critical. Uh, there is... a. Uh... An anticipated, uh, and I'm, I'm checking the actual number, but there is a large continent of athletes uh, participating for the qualifying tournament. Um, we have um, people that you would have expected to qualify a team before uh, having as a last chance scenario the qualification in Paris. We have actually 70 countries participating or registered to participate at the moment. Uh, and then if you look at the team situation, um, we have 44 men teams and 34 women teams uh, for that final qualification uh, tournament. So there is three teams out of 44 for men and three teams out of 34 for women that will get the, the three uh, final team places. So it's going to be a very, very tough competition for those places. Uh, you're looking at, you mentioned US, um, the other, I would say, major federations that have no places at all yet, uh, although it might change in Antalya uh, a few weeks before Paris, is, is France, is, is uh, Italy, um, that have for the moment, like the US, one man, one woman. Uh, we have uh, countries... Uh, like uh, Canada that have had the team position in men before. Um, we have um, countries uh, like Spain that, that is showing that won Guatemala in the men. That could be definitely a contender uh, in, in, in Paris as well. Um, India in the women. Uh, so it, it, is, it is interesting uh, to see what will happen. Absolutely. And I think that uh, as we get closer to that, of course, we'll be, you know, keeping a very close eye on that one and doing a separate preview of, of that event and, and an after action report as well, because so many countries have so much riding on that just couple of days. Uh, that basically is it comes down to podium on that team round or you don't get to compete in the Olympic Games as a team or, you know, have extra chances as individuals at medals. And that's a big deal for so many of these countries in terms of budget, in terms of Olympic programs, and of course, getting ready for Paris 2024, which is only three years down the road. Yes, the clock is ticking. Speaking of the clock, we're 70 days before the Tokyo Olympic Games open. And while even this close, we don't know what the final situation is going to be, we do have some recent developments that have taken place. Um, Japan is unfortunately in another um, state of emergency in some places, such as uh, some of the city centers. Osaka comes to mind, and of course, Tokyo. And um, it's essentially a similar scenario that we have seen in other places that have declared similar states of emergency. Um, as things stand right now, the games are still on just to get that out of the way. Absolutely. The uh, uh, 
100%, uh, I would say 200% sure the games will take place. I've actually received today uh, for the first time uh, some photographs of uh, the venue construction and uh, one side of the stands is already completely up. The, the stand behind the archers is also up. Uh, and uh, I would say the venue uh, looks already in, a, I would say, in a better shape than during the test event uh, when we had the test event last year. So we, we are seeing a lot of progress and um, I'm, I'm uh, very optimistic that the event will take place. Now, it is also very clear that the event will be a different type of Olympic Games than what we have known. Uh, especially in terms of experience for for the athletes or or for our judges in terms of I would say uh, visiting something else than the venue it is really going to be airport village village venue uh, village and then go home and 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 this is this is, I would say uh, in a certain sense uh, um, uh, a very positive thing because the concentration will be, 100% on the sport and not on other activities. So from that point of view, it's beneficial, I think. It is clear that it will take away some of the atmosphere of an Olympic Games. I'm thinking of the, the Ramblas in Barcelona, uh, the Docks area in, 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 uh, in Sydney. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, uh, London, the, the whole, I would say, atmosphere in London. Uh, it, it's clear that you won't see that that public enthusiasm that we have experienced in other Olympic Games, where athletes, when they go on the street, they immediately ask for autographs and things like that. That won't happen, uh, and and so it will be a different experience, and and athletes will need to be ready mentally for that as well, because uh, it is different shooting uh, in front of a crowd where you have people from your own country supporting you. Uh, loudly, uh, rather than having, I would say, uh, probably a reduced capacity of spectators and, and, and only from, from the host country. Well, you know, that is something that I think people are mentally prepared for that have been to the games before. For people that haven't been to games before and maybe don't have a complete expectation, uh, it, it might be fine because they don't know about those things necessarily. Yeah. I, you know, I was having this discussion with... Uh, one of my siblings yesterday, um, and, and she expressed the idea that she felt sorry for the athletes who are not going to have that, that experience from the standpoint of the excitement and the crowds and that kind of and my, I pointed out that if you haven't experienced it before, then you're going to your first Olympic Games. It's going to be such a big deal to you personally anyway that you might not mm -hmm. even notice and you might be able to focus better on your performance in some ways. It's, it's, it's going to go in, in both ways. And I think that what is critical is that, that athletes and their coaches and their federation or national Olympic committees are really ready for all scenarios. And, and I think the, the psychological approach and, the, and the, the sport psychologists will have a lot of work to do whatever way it will turn out because it is, it is going to be different and it will have an impact on these games, but also on the next games because there will be differences. Sure. You know, what, there's test events in other sports taking place even now. Um, you know, we think our test event was now, you know, a year and a half ago, right? But um, there's test events taking place in some other sports, uh, some, some indoor swimming, some other types of sports. I, I think maybe there was uh, something like rugby. And the athletes expressed the idea that, wow, this is, this is a very tight 
protocol. You know, I, I see the, I see the hotel, I see the bus, I see the venue, I see the bus, I see the hotel. Um, they expressed the idea that they were sorry they couldn't get out for some fresh air and go for a walk or do things of that nature. Um, and, you know, clearly it is working uh, with all of the many people who come into Japan, because uh, there have been people coming in from outside for the purpose of these test events. Uh, there's only been one case. Um, and, and that was not one that was brought in from outside. So I think it's showing that the methodologies that have been already worked out are working from, from the standpoint of these test events. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the whole approach from, from the Olympic movement is let's not increase the risk for the host nation. And this is uh, the approach by, uh, I would say, insisting, I would say there is no requirement, but let's, let's face it, there is a very strong insistence that all of the staffing and, and officials are, are vaccinated. The same applies uh, for the athletes, so that um, we can say that the, the, the risk for the ones uh, bringing the disease into Japan are, are very, very, very low, as has been shown by these different test events. Uh, and, and therefore, there is no reason to call it off. This is the, the, the key message is reduce the risk. Uh, and uh, because the, the last thing we want is, uh, I would say, uh, some athletes bringing in a, a cluster in the village, which then spread to the rest of Tokyo and, and some of the other host cities. This is definitely not going to happen because I, I, can, I can tell you today, all of my staff will be vaccinated. The judges will be vaccinated. Uh, a large majority, if not all of the athletes will be vaccinated. So the chances of them causing further development of the, the COVID uh, situation is, is very, very low. Exactly. The other, advantage, think... the other advantages I see, uh, and then of course, th this will then also be tested by athletes and most of the people we will have on site will be tested on a daily basis. Uh, and uh, then the other thing is that we, we are lucky as the archery. Uh, we've, we've done the, I would say, the, the research. And it's, it's clear that uh, even for the team event, uh, there is no chance that on the field of play, uh, for what concerns archery, there can be a contact case. Because the definition of a contact case under Japanese regulations is a contact of 15 of at least 15 minutes within one meter with no mask. And uh, even in the team round, uh, the contact, knowing that we are doing shooting in alternating format, is for such a limited time within that one meter uh, distance that there is no chance that there can be a contact case during the actual competition. Uh, the biggest risks are the people having dinner, lunch, uh, transport. Those are the cases where there could be contact cases, but for what concerns the field of play, there is no risk. And that's because we are an outdoor sport. That's because we have put in place enough distance between the archers on the shooting line. We will have one archer per target and so on and so on. So we've really done the maximum to keep the risk to an absolute minimum.
it's a responsible approach and one that will provide for the utmost in safety and one that is going to be paralleled in each sport participating in the games this year. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and again, like I said, there's test events that have taken place. The other one that took place was rowing. The bigger challenge was the weather uh, because of strong winds and uh, bad weather. But um, we'll have to see. And, and uh, we had a, a complete venue walkthrough with, uh, with IOC and, and Tokyo 2020 two days ago. And uh, I, uh, I think... Um, if I would be an athlete at the moment and you would ask me what should I concentrate on, it's okay. Make sure that you have the right ring gear, uh, that you're ready for, uh, for could be some windy conditions. Um, I think the COVID situation is under control. Let's be sure that the athlete is right for weather conditions, which can yeah, be and- challenging. Yeah, I can speak to some of that. I've shot a lot of tournaments in Tokyo, uh, specifically at Yomnoshima in July. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of heat and humidity. The sunshine is going to be deceptively strong, even though you're so close to the uh, Tokyo Bay um, and you get a little bit of a marine layer sometimes in the morning. It is it is a burning sun that time of year. And I believe that the biggest issue is going to be heat. Uh, I have never personally experienced a heat-related problem throughout my entire career, except when shooting in Tokyo in July. And I will say that uh, anything you can do to prepare for shooting, as Tom just pointed out, in the wind, potentially in the rain, although the Tsuyu, the rainy season, will be done by then, and potentially wind. uh, And did I mention wind? (laughs) Oh, Oh, yes, I think you mentioned it, yes. Uh, yeah, besides the wind, there's also wind and wind. So there's going to be (laughs) the potential for the stronger shooters and the ones who have good tunes that, uh, you know, don't rely on over aiming and, and rely a little more on, on execution, strong execution. All of those things really matter. All the old tricks for shooting in the wind are going to be real handy for this one. Absolutely. And this is where I think also, um, the fact of, of teams participating in our events uh, will make a difference and, and it will be very interesting. We had a discussion in a previous podcast on certain teams not going and shooting at international level until the games. And this this is where it could make a difference. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and not to beat around the bush, we are talking about Korea not shooting in the World Cups and therefore not well, essentially coming out and and and. Tokyo being their first big international tournament I, on a certain level, that's really risky. So we'll see what, we'll see what that does. Uh, they're certainly doing everything they can to prepare, you know, as they always do. But uh, this time they're going to be up against teams that have had lots of experience traveling overseas and lots of experience dealing with COVID bubbles and lots of experience dealing with the kinds of uh, uh, unique aspects that we are seeing this particular season. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. It'll be interesting. There's a lot of other interesting events and um, so much more that is taking place right now. The, the bottom line, Tom, with archery being back, everything we predicted has come to pass so far. Athletes are super excited to be back out there, happy to be back um, in competition, eager to see each other and to uh, 
um, you know, even though there's social distancing and all the other things still in place for events, uh, it is gratifying to see just how happy people are to be back at our sport. Yeah, and I think the the, the other thing that is that is already there is is the level. Um, on the past weekend, we saw the the first 150 on television since a long time by by uh, Hernandez from El Salvador. I'm pretty sure we'll see many of those uh, during the season. We saw the, the level of the finals in, in Guatemala uh, where you had to shoot a, a 10 on the spider to, to win the shoot-off. Uh, yeah, that was exciting to see. And the coverage was pretty good too. Yeah, so... I, I'm, I'm, I think um, we're, we're in for a very, very interesting uh, season with, of course, then the Olympics and Paralympics and World Championships as, as the highlights uh, of the year. Uh, and, and, and also, I think we, we're seeing new faces coming up. I think the, the one-year hiatus uh, made it possible for some new kids to come on the block, as they say, and uh, we'll see. Uh, um some teams have already declared who is going to the games some others are still very much looking at what they uh, should do uh and what will come out of the selection shoots we'll see in fact korea has already chosen uh its team for tokyo and of course we have uh, a mix like we often do from korea of the old and the new we have ojin hyuk in there and then we have a couple of new people, and I think it's going to be a very exciting uh, thing to see how those guys perform. But unfortunately, we don't get to see them perform until they get to Tokyo. Yeah, this, this is interesting. And Ojin Yoki, okay, and uh, of course, we also have uh, his teammate, Kim. Uh, who, Kim Wojin, uh, yeah. Kim Wojin, who definitely wants to show that uh, the the accident, you can say, he had in the... In a preliminary round in in Rio, uh, should be forgotten, and he's still the the man on the team. Uh, but and and probably for both, it could be their last Olympics. If uh, Ojinyuk, it it definitely will be. Uh, so it's yeah, it's going to be interesting. No doubt about that. And of course, we have a crop of uh, new up and coming Korean women. Um, none of the defenders uh, from previous events. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to see as well. See how they perform. And maybe that's that's where the question comes in. You're you're not giving those new Korean women a chance to compete on the international level much before they show up in Tokyo. And that's maybe where the risk lies. We'll I'm see. predicting only time will tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and only 70 days will tell. So, Tom, I want to thank you for for taking the time to join us today on the podcast. We'll look forward to uh, further updates as Lasan continues. And uh, as we get closer to Paris, and of course, as we get closer to the Tokyo Games, Tom Dillon from World Archery, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure as always, George, and look forward to reporting on the next 70 days. <laughs>